How many times do we disqualify or put ourselves out of the will of God like Elijah? What are you doing here? I never called you here. What are you doing here? We need to be careful that we do hear the voice of God. That we hear what God is saying to us. God leading, God directing Elijah just like he does with us. To Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. Today, as Roll continues our study of 1 Kings, he'll explore a pivotal event in the prophet Elijah's life and will encourage you to guard against spiritual burnout. Stay with us to find out how God quietly called Elijah out of fear and self doubt. You'll see that when you rest and rejuvenate with the Lord, He can fill you up and lead you back into kingdom building service. If you have your Bible, join us in 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Here's Raul Reese. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elisha had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Notice who's in charge in that kingdom. Jezebel, not Ahab. Jezebel said, hey, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And Elijah, being a man of God, fear gripped his heart and depression, and he ran away instead of standing as God has said to stand. Watch this. Verse 3. And when he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, 80 some miles away he ran. Without stopping, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went days journey into the wilderness, and he came and sat down under a broomstick. So he went down from Jerusalem all the way down to the wilderness of Judea, over there by the Sea of uh, the Dead Sea, uh, the area of Engedi, those areas there, Masada. And he goes to the desert. And what does he do? Look what he does. He goes under the broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He had the poor Mimis. Notice that. How many times you and I are like Elijah? After a great victory, we saw God work, and then something happens, and we get bumped. And unbelief enters our hearts again. After a great work of God, he's done. He wants to die. He wants to die. He doesn't want to live any longer. And then as he lay there and he slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said unto him, Get up and eat. You know what his problem was? Elijah was a little bit burned out. He needed rest and sleep. And then he could be recommissioned. How many times we run ourselves totally, totally dead? Working, 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 doing whatever we do. We never rest until finally we have a nervous breakdown. Or we get an illness because we haven't taken care of ourselves. That's the prophet. 
He's burned out. He wants to die. There's fear in his heart. He's depressed. And look what he does. And then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked with coals. The angel gave it to him. And a jar of water. And so he ate, he drank, and laid down. Notice how God provides for his servants. And then the angel of the Lord, who's that? A theophany in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ himself. Came back the second time, and then he touched Elijah. And he said, Elijah, get up, eat, because your journey is too great for you. I'm going to recommission you. And so he got up, he ate, he drank. And then he went in the strength of the of the food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. He went from the Dead Sea all the way down a hundred and almost 200 miles to Mount Sinai where Moses received the Ten Commandments. God sent them there to receive and to be recommissioned. And I thought about this whole situation with Elijah. How many men of God, how many women of God and people of God get burned out and they actually get put on the shelf because they don't listen to God. When they need just a little sleep and a little food and kicking back and then they can be empowered again by God and the Holy Spirit and we can be rejuvenated. That's why we take vacations, you see, to rest. That's why we take one day out of the seven days to rest. Why? Because God commanded it, you see. God commanded it. We need it. Because we're a busy people. And Elijah had been busy for the Lord. And he had been prophesying, doing miracles and wonders. And now he was in a place of not only being bummed out, but depressed. And God saw his heart. And God came and nourished him. And recommissioned him. Verse 8. And so he got up and he ate and he drank. And he went in the strength of food for 40 days and 40 nights. There are only three people that did that. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. For 40 days and 40 nights. And there he went into a cave. And he spent the night in that place. And behold, notice, when he slept, when he rested, when he ate, what happened again? God spoke to him again. He was refreshed. Hey, maybe sometimes when God doesn't speak to us, it's because we need refreshing in our lives. We're not listening. We're feeling sorry for ourselves. We're too much involved with self instead of God. You see, here now he speaks to him again. He said, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Good question. Notice that. And so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. Hey, listen. He doesn't understand the question. He's avoiding the question. Look what he says. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone, I am left, and they seek my own life. Lord, there's nobody but only me. How many times do you feel like you're the only believer? Here I am, Lord. I'm the only witness in my job. Listen. Go out, he says, and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. Can you imagine? God says, I'm going to speak to you. The first thing that comes is a strong wind and breaks down the mountain, the rocks. Secondly, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
And after the wind, an earthquake came. And the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, a fire came. But the Lord was not in the fire. How does God speak to us? Well, sometimes He'll speak to us. Yes, in past times, He spoke by a wind. How? In Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Secondly, He spoke in an earthquake. Where? He spoke in an earthquake in Acts chapter 4 when they were in prison and the Lord let it out of my prison when an earthquake came, opened the gates and they were able to leave. And then sometimes God will speak to us on the fire. On the fire, why? Because in the Old Testament, the three Hebrew children of Israel, when the king of Babylon put them in the fire and God delivered them out of the fire. He spoke to them in the fire. And brought them out of the fire. And then fourthly. Listen. Many, many times. God will not speak in the wind. Or in the earthquake. Or in the fire. But he will speak in a small still voice. Listen to what he says. And after the fire. A still small voice spoke. And so Elijah. When he heard it. That he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Second time God is asking the question. Notice that. What are you doing here? How many times do we disqualify or put ourselves out of the will of God like Elijah? What are you doing here? I never called you here. What are you doing here? We need to be careful that we do hear the voice of God. That we hear what God is saying to us. God leading, God directing Elijah, just like He does with us. Verse 14. And then He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, kill your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and I seek my life. Notice again, He avoided the question. He didn't understand it. And then the Lord said to him, Go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Go all the way up to Jerusalem, close to Jerusalem, and on your way to Syria. Notice. And when you get there, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Now notice here, recommissioning Elijah. He goes back to do what? To do a work for God. The job is not completed yet. Elijah, you can't die yet. Your job's not over yet. You needed a little water, a little sleep, and you needed to be recommissioned, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go. I have a job for you, and that is to anoint the next king. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. For Bible-rich resources to strengthen your heart and deepen your faith, visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. You can also join Raul on his YouTube channel every Tuesday at 10 a.m. West Coast time. Now back to more with Raul Reese in our study of 1 Kings. Verse 16. And also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nishi, and as king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, 
Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will kill. Yet, notice what he says. Elijah, you said, I'm the only one left? Okay. Yet, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, and whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth has not kissed him yet. Notice that. God has what? His faithful remnant everywhere. Everywhere. Verse 19. And so he departed from there. And he found Elijah the son of Shaphat. And was plying twelve yokes of oxen before him. And he was with the twelve. And then Elijah passed him. And threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. And said, please let me kiss my father and my mother. And then I will follow you. And he said unto him, go back again. For I have done to you. Now here... We see Elijah and now Elijah, the one that is going to take over. Notice how beautiful Elijah is. Elijah is ready to follow the Lord. Hey, I'll go back and say goodbye to my parents, but I'm ready to go with you whenever you want to. So Elijah turned back from him and he took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he rose up and he followed Elijah and became his servant. Imagine that. Here he became his disciple, following him, not knowing that God was going to pass on the mantle unto Elijah from Elijah. Notice this. Verse 1. And now then had that the king of Syria gathered all his forces together, 32 kings were with him, with horses... And with chariots, and went up to besiege Samaria, and made war against it. And then he sent messengers into the city of Ava, king of Israel, and said unto him, Thus said Ben-Hadad, Your silver, your gold are mine, your loveliest wives and children are mine. And the king of Israel answered and said, My lord, O king, just as you said, I and all that I have is yours. Here the king is threatening the king of Israel, and he becomes afraid. And then the messenger came back and said, Thus speak Ben-Hadad, his enemy, saying, Indeed I have sent to you, saying, You shall deliver to me your silver, your gold, your wives, and your children. What was the king asking for? Give me your wives, give me your children, give me the gold, silver, give me everything, and I won't hurt you. Just turn it over. But I will send my servants to you tomorrow, about this time. And they shall search your house and your house as your servants. And it shall be that whatever is pleasant in your eyes, they will put it in their hands and take it. Tomorrow we're going to show up and we're going to take whatever we want. And you have nothing to say about it. So the king of Israel, when he heard that, called for the elders of the land and said, Notice, please see how this man is seeking trouble. For he sent me for my wives, for my children, for my silver, for my gold. And I did not deny him. And then all the elders of the people said to him, Do not listen or consent to him. Therefore he said to the messengers of Benhadad, Tell my lord the king that all of you send for your servants the first time I will do. But the thing that I cannot do, the messengers departed and brought back the word. The second thing, I can't do it. There's no way. And then Menhadad sent him, said, The gods do so to me, and more also, if enough dust is left in Samaria for a handful for each of the people who follow. Which means, hey, king of Israel, tomorrow I'm going to come and get you. And my gods are going to be stronger than your gods. Now this is Ahab again. Watch this. And so the king of Israel answered and said, Tell him, 
Let not the one who puts out his armor boast like the one who takes it out. Hey, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Notice that. And it happened when Ben-Hadad heard this message, as he the kings were drinking at the command post, they were pretty drunk. Then he said to his servants, get ready now. They got ready and attacked the city. And suddenly a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, can you believe this? A wicked king with his wife Jezebel, and God's grace is still being poured out to this king. I mean, it's incredible. God's grace, God's patience, not wiping him out yet, but still giving him an opportunity to repent. But he doesn't. He said, Thus saith the Lord, Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, God speaking, Behold, I will deliver it into your hand today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Imagine that. How many times has God had to show you that He's the Lord before you come to know Him? Notice that. And so Ahab said, By whom? And he said, Thus saith the Lord, by the young leaders of the providences. Then he said, Who will set the battle in order? And he answered, You will. And then he mustered the young leaders of the providences. And there were 232. After them he mustered all the people, all the children of Israel, 7,000. And so they went up at noon. And meanwhile, Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings helping him were getting drunk at the command post. Notice, God allowed them to get drunk. And then the young leaders of the providence went out first. And Ben-Hadad set out a patrol. And they told him, saying, Men are coming out of Samaria. And so he said, If they have come out for peace, take them alive. If they have come out for war, take them, notice, take them alive. And then the young leaders arose and the providence went out of the city with the army which followed them. And each one killed his men. So the Syrians fled instead of running. And Israel pursued them. And Ben-Hadad the king of Syria escaped on a horse with his cavalry. And then the king of Israel went out and attacked the horses with the horses and chariots. And killed the Syrians with a great slaughter. And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said to him, Go and strengthen yourself. Take note and see what you should do. For the spring of the year of the king of Seir will come again to you. Hey listen, this is they left, but he's going to come again next year. So what do you want to do? And then the servants of the king of Seir said to him, Their gods are the gods of the hills. Therefore we lost. They were stronger than we. Next time when we fight them, we'll fight them with the gods of the valley. Notice how they place their gods. Hills and the valleys. And so this thing dismissed the king, each from his own position, verse 24, and put captains of their places. And you shall muster an army like the army that you have lost, horses for horse, chariot for chariot. And then we will fight against them in the plain. Surely we will be stronger than they. And he listened to their voices and did so. And so it was in the spring of the year, just like he said, that Ben-Hadad mustered Syrians and went up to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel mustered and given provision. And they went up against them. And now the children of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats. While the Syrians filled the whole countryside. Can you imagine? They are numbered. But who's fighting for them? The Lord. And then the men of God came again and spoke to the king of Israel, Ahab. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but He's not the God of the valleys. There I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord again. 
you shall know. And they encamped opposite each other for seven days. And so it was on the seventh day the battle was joined, and the children of Israel killed 100,000 foot soldiers of the Syrians in one day. Can you imagine that? But the rest fled to Amphic, into the city. And then a wall fell on 27,000 of the men who were left. A wall, imagine that. And Ben-Hadad fled and went into the city, into an inner chamber. And then his servants said unto him, Look, now we have heard that the king of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Please let us put on sackcloth around our waist, ropes around our heads, and go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he'll let us live. And then they wore sackcloth around their waist, put ropes around their heads, came out to the king of Israel, Ahab, and said, Your servant Mehadad says, Please let me live. And he said, Is he still alive? He is my brother. And now the men were watching closely to see where any sign of mercy would come from him, if they were really repentant or not. Quickly grasped their word and said, Your brother Ben-Hadad, so he said, Go bring him. And then Ben-Hadad came out to him, and he had him come up to the chariot. And then Ben-Hadad said to him, The cities of my father's took from your father, I will give them back to you. You may set up marketplaces for yourself, Damascus, and my father did in Samaria. And then Ahab said, I will send you away this day with a treaty. So he made a treaty with him and sent him away. Listen, after God was merciful toward Ahab, God's word was what? To kill the king Ben-Hadad, not to let him go. Watch what happens. And now a certain man of the sons of the prophets said to his neighbor by the word of the Lord, Strike me, please. And the man refused to strike him. And then he said to him, Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, surely as soon as you depart from me, a lion will kill you. And as soon as he departed, the lion killed him. And then he found another man and said, Strike me, please. So the man struck him and inflicted a wound. The prophet wants to be injured because he wants to give a message from God to the king. And then the prophet departed and waited for the king by the road. See, God sent another prophet to the king because he disobeyed. He says, the prophet departed and waited for the king on the road and disguised himself with bandages over his eyes. And now the king passed by and he cried out to the king and said, your servant went out into the midst of the battle. And there a man came over and brought a man to me. And he said, guard this man. But if by any means he is missing, your life shall be for his life, or else you shall pay a talent of silver. He was talking about not killing, but had that. Why didn't you kill him? Notice. And while your servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And then the king of Israel said to him, Ahab said, so shall your judgment be. You yourselves have decided it. And he hastened to take the bandage away from his eyes. And the king of Israel recognized him as one of the prophets. And then he said to him, Thus saith the Lord, because you have let slip out of your hand the men whom I appointed to utter destruction. Therefore, your life shall go for his life and your people for his people. Whoa. You're going to die, Ahab. You haven't been listening to me. Hey, this is an important lesson for all of us. How many times does God have to speak to us before it's too late? Before we learn our lessons of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love. Listen. And so the king of Israel went to his house, sullen and displeased, and he came to Samaria. Because he did not obey the voice of the Lord, the judgment of God came upon him. 
Well, if you're feeling worn out or uncertain in your walk with the Lord, we hope Elijah's spiritual journey will encourage you to pursue even more personal quiet time in God's presence. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. If you'd like to review the lesson you've heard today, we'll send you an unedited version for a donation of $5 or more. Just call us at 800-634-9165 and ask for Raul's teaching from 1 Kings chapters 18 through 20. We'd also like to tell you about Raul's book titled Sin, The Root of All Evil. Pointing to the righteous, abundant life you've been called to, this resource will inspire you to identify and repent of any compromising habits that are hampering your relationship with the Lord. You'll also be challenged to reevaluate your priorities and reorder your commitments to put God's kingdom first. Contact us today to order Rawls' book titled Sin, The Root of All Evil. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165 and we'll send your copy for a gift of $8 plus shipping and handling. That's 800-634-9165. Our mailing address, if you'd like to order by writing us, is Somebody Loves You Radio, Post Office Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. We value your partnership in sharing these programs with the world. Every contribution you make is tax-deductible and helps us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And thanks for including us in your day today. Join us next time as we return to the pages of God's Word for more verse-by-verse study of its inspired truth. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.